Episode 186 of the Bevan James Isles Show, Dealing with Worry. Radio team, welcome along to episode 186 of the Bevan James Isles Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise, so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. I've actually just deleted the first part of the show, and I did it deliberately because I, I've done it based on, I did like a 20 minute section on how to act in these times, and it's hard. <laughs> That's what I've come to the conclusion of. Um, I, I, where does this come from? So basically, I was meant to have an interview today, and the interview person kind of emailed me a couple of hours beforehand just saying, look, unfortunately, I can't make it. These things happen. Totally cool. So I kind of, this morning, I kind of sat down, I wrote down some bullet points for what I'll do the show on, and I kind of just thought one thing that we need to be aware of is, is how we're behaving in this time that maybe it works against us. Um, and... I went down a deep rabbit hole, and that will be the podcast you will never hear. But later on today's show, what we do have is we have a couple of things. So first of all, are you trying to improve on something you don't need to improve on? And how to beat worry, because let's be honest, it's a pretty worrisome time. Uh, just, just I will quickly touch on what I, was, what I did, the big section on that I did delete. Just this whole idea of there's a lot of problems in the world right now. And when we think about all the problems in the world right now, it was kind of just challenging the individual, you and myself, uh, just to see how maybe sometimes we work against ourselves. And I, I, I will quickly talk to you about them. See how you will see the angles from. So what what angle are you going to see it from? That you know, Just understand that because sometimes that can make a confirmation bias that will work against us. Be aware of when you're blaming a whole group of people. Uh, when you blame a whole group of people, it creates two problems. A, it's, it's just not right because, let's be honest, no whole group of person acts the same way. Within any group of people, there's different types of people, different levels of people, and so on. Uh, so don't just look at a whole group of people. Try to see the individuals within that. And just with that, I talked about um, that Heineken ad. And I know I've talked about this on the show in the past, but there's this Heineken ad years ago where what they did is they got uh, one group of people who – you know, let's say, I, can't, I think it was like one guy who was really anti-transsexual, and then he had coffee, uh, he had a beer with someone who was transsexual, and, and he didn't know this, and then they had another person who was, I don't know, like, had racist views, and so on and so on, and, and the whole idea of it was, when you actually, at the end of the ad, what happened was, when these people spent time with each other, they were much more understanding, they were much more human towards each other, and they are much more accepting, and that's the problem when we just kind of put people in a group, is when we put people in a group, we, we we shut ourselves off to giving them an option to show the human side of themselves. So that's kind of one other thing. Um, be careful of, or try to understand the idea. So even though you might not always necessarily agree with the other side, let's try to see where they come from. Now, sometimes you might understand an idea and go, you know what, I don't like that idea. That's okay. But still, spend some time understanding the idea uh, one other thing is when we have an argument, and when I'm talking about arguments, not yelling at someone, but just when you have, you're having an ideas conversation and you may disagree with somebody else, um, try to understand where they come from, try to be rational, and be honest about your level of knowledge. Because often I think when we have conversations with people, we make these statements but actually, we don't actually know a huge amount about that. Um, and one thing I've really trained myself to say is, oh, to be honest, I don't know much about that. 
uh, and, and, and to be really upfront about that because often we can make an opinion based on some headlines we've read whereas have, have you really gained the understanding and knowledge you need about this uh, and then just lastly be careful of putting when I've, I've got here see when people are putting work against you being rational and I shared an example and I will share this one because it's a pretty good one so in New Zealand right now politically we have a leader called Jacinda Ardern who is successful very very popular and I know most people around the world will probably know who she is she's uh, kind of been held up as a bit of a beacon around the world as a great leader um, and recently our other political party, party National had lost their political leader there's been a, a takeover and there's a new leader by the name of Todd Muller now when Todd Muller came in the first week he just made some amateur errors. Nothing bad, but just, just some little amateur errors. Made you know some pretty basic mistakes, which, you know, he was kind of new to the role. He was kind of new to this level of the role. And and to be honest, most people are going to make those mistakes in that moment. But interestingly, when you look at what's happened to him now, is he's almost been boxed as a little bit incompetent, uh, at least in how he communicates. And it was interesting, on the news last night in New Zealand, he had done a speech in his local town. It was kind of a very favourable audience. And he did this speech, and he, he accidentally said, when I first started, I always wanted to be in Labour. Now, Labour's the opposite party to him. And then he kind of said, oh, no, I meant National. And it was a slip. Now... I have to admit, politically, I'm centre slightly left. So I kind of think centre is where you want to be, and I slightly left because I kind of think fundamentally there should be a little bit of all looking after each other. Um, that's kind of where I sit. Now, admittedly, I've voted for three political parties in my time, so I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of the person that most parties want to fight for, but I have been a bit more left in my last few times. Now, if I was really hardcore Labour supporter, I would look at that and say, see, yep, I'd go, yep, see, Todd Muller, he is, he's, a, he's, um, He's not a very good leader. He's a failure. National's hopeless. But the thing is, he just slipped up a word. You know, and so when you you need to see when people or things are working against you being rational. Because if I'm a Labour supporter in a situation, I'm using this to confirm that Todd Muller is hopeless at what he does. But have I ever fumbled words? Have you ever fumbled words? We all do that. And it's unfair on politicians to think that they're not going to fumble words and they can't get, you know, that that's the you know they're no good uh, I need to spend time understanding where Todd comes from I want to understand his political thinking I want to understand where he's coming from with what he's trying to do for our country I've got to see do I believe he can actually apply what, is, what he says he can do and so on and if I'm going to close off because he made a fumble in words that's working against me being rational and so it's really important you just need to see when people or situations are working against you being rational because ultimately when it comes to my vote I want to make a vote that's based kind of on my alignment of what I think is important but also understanding ideas understanding where people are coming from and also just trying to see if I believe that they can implement those ideas uh, and then lastly just when uh, I just put question your techniques and what I mean by that is when you're arguing or in discussion with other people I said admit when you don't know but also don't don't use really really irrational arguments to go against your way um, and what I mean by that is that sometimes when someone brings we might be having a discussion about something and someone brings up a point that you is against you know is counter to yours it may be a good point sometimes we counterpoint it with a pretty irrational argument and maybe you're better off to say you know what it's a really fair point uh, you know maybe I need to take that on board because uh, I often think when we're in discussions around this, it's not necessarily the idea is the winner, it's just that I need to be the winner. And I don't think that's a healthy way to work through this time. And I think what we're seeing in the world right now, particularly in, you know, like in America, what's happening, where we've got a leader who's divisive. So, um, 
uh, there's a really good political podcast I listen to called Common Sense with Dan Carlin. And he did a great podcast recently. And he just said, the problem in America is both sides are just seeing each other as hopeless and stupid and just don't get it. And they're not willing to come to the table and have a discussion around ideas. And for that reason, they're just becoming more and more separated and seeing the other person more and more as a problem. Have conversations where you have ideas, where you are challenged, where you may have to change your opinion. Um, so you can become a more rational thinker. And also, you can also help other people kind of be more rational in the way they do it as well. Obviously, this time has got some pretty big challenges in it. But we want to be in a place where we can be rational through this time for ourselves and for our world as well. So just a quick, couple of quick points to share with you guys there. Uh, before I get into the main gist of today's show, I just want to say thank you to the patrons. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com, go to podcast, and you'll see a little yellow button that says support me. Go through that process, and each time I do a show, you just donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way. And these people are some of the patrons. Oh, when you become a patron, you also get a nickname. Uh, Renee Hawes is the hawk. We've got Michael O'Kane, hardcore Michael. Michael, I haven't seen you in a while, so I hope you're okay. Um, we've got Samuel Mysterious Man Melino Weaver we've got Donald the Explorer James now Donald Donald James he's, he's an interesting man he's writing a book right now so good luck Donald he's doing really well with that uh, we've got Brittany Mystic McEachin and we've got Greg the Python Crowley these people all support the show if you want to support the show go to bevanjamesisles.com click on pay, uh, support me and give a little bit of how to money my way anyway let's get into the main gist of today's show As I was saying before I kind of did this part, I, was, I had an interview lined up for today. So today's kind of main section of the show is just a little bit kind of off the cuff, but there might be some value. The first thing I want to talk about is, are you trying to improve on something you don't need to improve on? And this comes from a session I had with a client last week, actually. It was a, it's a kind of a newish client. He's got some goals that we're working on. Uh, and early on, you kind of spend a bit of time trying to understand where they're at and, you know, some you know, it's kind of just so we get some good understanding before we kind of devise plans and strategies and so on. Uh, but one thing when we discovered was this person was had a problem that I've got to be honest, a lot of people probably have a problem around. And the problem was really simple. It was that kind of thing of the guilt of not getting everything done that I think I should do with my life. The guilt of not getting everything done that I think I should do in my life. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? And and, and I'm sure as I'm saying this right now. Many of you who are listening to this can really identify it. Is that you wake up in the morning or you, you, you start your week and you have good intentions to get all these things done and then you get to the end of the day or the end of the week and you haven't really got those things done. And so then you live in this guilt of, oh, I haven't got this done. And uh, you know, and then it kind of hits your identity because then it goes to that, oh, you know, I'm the kind of person who doesn't get things done. And so you start to feel you lack personal credibility and... Uh, you know, this is kind of downward slope that you're on because suddenly you're just not getting those things done that you need to get done. And that's what that guilt of not getting things done is all about. And so we're having this discussion and uh, we're talking about kind of the to-do list or the kind of organization tool. And this person is very organized and got some really good tools in place. Like sometimes when I start working with someone, the big part of the, just the, the early stage is just trying to get some structure in the organization. Uh, and organization is really important to me because A, it's about getting things done, but more it's about being the person I want to be and using organizational skills to 
to allow myself to put focus on the things I want to put focus on at certain times in my day. And that's what organization ultimately gives us. And this person already had really good tools in place. Uh, and we were kind of just talking about how uh, there was that little bit of the guilt of not getting things done that I should get done. And one area this person identified was catching up with people who are important in their life. So this is kind of that thing of, you know, we've all got this is, you know, you, you know you should contact your friends, but you're busy so you don't get around to it. Or, you, you know, you've got to call your nana, but you never call your nana. Or, you, you know, it's just that kind of commitment that we know we should do, but then you get to the end of the day, you're tired, you don't do it. So then there's that guilt around this. And this is one of those areas that this person had, would write down, you know, that I'm trying to improve myself. One thing I want to improve on myself is making sure I catch up with my friends to make sure I deepen my relationships. And so then I kind of, we started going into that, that whole idea of what's the guilt of not doing the thing you want to do. And it turned out this person didn't have guilt. So they'd written down on their list, oh, what I want to do is I want to make sure I catch up with the people in my life, you know, like ring my nana, like ring my friends, like have social experience times and blah, blah, blah. So that was one thing that, that they felt would make their life better but then they were never doing it. But then also, they didn't have the guilt. And I was really interested about this, because normally when, when people have that list, and they don't do those things, then they live in some guilt around it. So I kind of just said, well, why don't you have the guilt? You know, like, I'm kind of curious, because let's be honest, most people will. And they said, oh, no, because I do think I'm a good friend. I'm a really good friend, and I'm a good husband, and, I'm, and I look after my family members, and I'm really good at this. And I was like, so what, what, why are you putting this on the list? Uh, because already this person does commit, is a good person in those people in his life, is a good presence, does care, like they're already there. And we were kind of just, I was just challenging on that. Well, why are you putting it on the list? Because ultimately what, what was happening was his list was too big for his life. And so not everything on the list was getting done. But then in some ways, some things on his list didn't need to be on the list. And that's what I mean when I say this, are you trying to improve on something that you don't need to improve on? You know, when I kind of talk about this in your life, is there an area of your life that you're trying to improve on that maybe you just don't need to improve on? That actually you're doing okay in. And, and you know what? It's okay just to say this level is the level that I want to be at. You know, because I, I've written down a couple of notes here. You might put this down because you feel you should be aiming to get better at it. But maybe maybe that's not not that important, or or maybe the next level isn't that important in that area. And so I've written a couple of points here just to think about this. So first of all, are you trying to improve something that you don't need to improve? So really think about that. Is there an area of your life where, like my client, actually they're a great friend, they're a great husband, they're a great family member, they're doing a great job. Do they need to be spending more time? Does that need to be on that list? Have you got that area in your life? Like for me. I don't need to be necessarily improving on any size right now in my life. I, 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 it's good to have goals in my life at times, but I exercise 10 to 12 hours a week. I've got a good routine. It's a nice balanced exercise routine. Um, I love my exercise routine. I, I have had times when I've tried to improve in exercise and I've loved that time in my life. But right now, I don't need to be improving on exercise. I know I'm quite happy with where I sit with exercise right now. Now, the reason this is important is because if I try to improve an exercise, there's going to take time away from other areas. Or it might go back to that place of guilt of not doing what I should do. Because if I, let's say I want to do a half marathon right now, um, if I want to do a half marathon right now, I'm probably going to commit another five hours a week to training. And I've, 
if I commit five hours a week of training, it even means it's going to come from time, which is going to be harder to put in. So it means I'm going to have to get up into early. Like I remember last time I did a half marathon, I would get up at four in the morning and do an hour run before I taught a class at the, two classes at the gym. So, you know, that, the, that time was a really hard thing. Now, I was disciplined and I did it, but it was a lot of effort to make that work because I, I couldn't sacrifice another area of my life. So if I want to improve an exercise right now, I would probably have to put in a time which would be more demanding on my life. Or I'd have to sacrifice another area of my life that maybe I don't want to sacrifice. So like for me, social, piano, wife, uh, business, those things are really important. And I want to get that balance right of all those things. But if I want to try to take on a half marathon or a marathon right now, either I have to do that thing of get up at four in the morning, get up earlier, which means I'm going to be tired anyway, or I have to start sacrificing some other areas. Now, in times of my life where I want to achieve fitness goals, that's okay. But at this moment in my life, I'm quite happy with where I'm at, with my fitness. So I don't need to be trying to improve in this area. And I just think this is really important when we think about this, because if you can remove that from the list, then there's going to be less things on the list and then if you can get those, those things on the list done, you remove the guilt of not getting things done. You know, like, because my client removing that need to kind of feel like he had to catch up with people above and beyond what they're already doing, removing that, now he looks at the list and goes, that's more realistic. And when a list is more realistic or when the things we're trying to get done are more realistic, there's a higher chance we're going to do them. So then we're not going to get to the end of the week feeling guilty that we haven't done the thing that I need to do. So that's one thing on that there. And I think just one thing on this little quick topic that I'm touching on here right now is think about how can I be happy with this level. So my exercise example. Um, I could be exercising more right now, but I'm actually quite happy with where I'm at with it. Like I'm, you know, I, I pretty much exercise anywhere from my one rest day a week, and then I would pretty much do an hour to two hours exercise a day every other day. Um, I'm happy with with that sits. I, I think it's, a, you know, it sits really well in my life. I don't, you know, like I'm I'm just really content with where that sits, and I think it's really important. And that was one of the things I talked to my client about was because I, I I've talked about my Bevan book. It's a book that I read every morning, and my Bevan book's a little bit about alignment. It's a little bit about. Uh, ambition and where you're trying to grow but also it's a little bit about just kind of going you know what you're doing all right in this area and I think it's okay for us to be happy with the level when it's the right level uh, so just some stuff to think about there so again just are you trying to improve something that you actually don't need to improve if you are learn to be happy with the level you're in see that the level you're in is giving you the satisfaction you want actually I didn't talk about that but it's really important like that was the thing with my client he was like I'm actually, I'm really proud of the father I am. I'm really, I'm a good husband. He was, he, he could see that the level he was at was great. And it's me of exercise right now. I'm really happy with my level of exercise. I, I love it. It's a really good place. So be happy with it, but see that it's actually delivering what you need as well. Because I often think we chase more because we think we've got to find a higher level, but sometimes we don't. Um, then this will can allow you to be realistic about just keeping it where it's in your life. You can have better expectations around this, which will remove that guilt that you sit in. So that's kind of a quick one there. Second thing I want to talk about in the main just of today's show is, I've, I've written down here, the problem with worry. The problem with worry. And let's be honest, a lot of us are worried right now. 
a lot of worry in the world. Um, you watch the news, it's pretty grim. Coronavirus, there's a lot of people who are going through some pretty horrible things. And the problem when we think about worry is it just ends up owning us. Like it just ends up owning us. When you got worry in your mind, it can just consume us in really massive ways. Um, and there's, there's many problems that come with that then because if you're worried, how can you really be focused on what's ultimately important in your life? Like we, we, we've got the mind space and the energy because you know what it's like when you're worried. I always think of worry as like a rewind tape. You know, when you've got a worry in your life, what you do is you, you think the thought, then you rewind it and you play it again. And then you rewind it and you play it again. And it's like it's a continuous loop of the same thing over and over again. And then what happens with worry is we start to go way more further down the path. So the worry might be something that's quite small, but then we start to look five, ten steps down the path. Uh, I had a good example with a client a while ago who was fearful. I think I actually talked about this on the show. She was fearful of going to hospitals. And so it got to the point where basically going to hospital meant she was going to die. Like, you know, that was what the worry was creating, was that this worry opened up, you know, the worry of having an operation, which, you know, I get it. Some people would find that tough. But then the, the worry built this, and then what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And you can see that when we have worry, if you have this, then you start to look at the next level down the path. And then the next level, what's going to happen? You're going to experience way more worry at a much more higher sense of overwhelming within you and emotion within you as well so it just ends up owning us it owns our it takes our energy and ultimately it just fatigues us let's let's, let's think about this when you're worried are you does your world get a good version of you do those like does your partner your children your workmates, whoever it is in your world, when you've been consumed by worry for a while, do they get a good version of you? So it's not just that you have bad energy or fatigued energy and mind space that's going in the wrong space. You're not a very good version of yourself. You're not a very good version of people in the world because you snap at them more. You tend to be fatigued so you make poor decisions around nutrition, exercise and so on. So when we think about worry, it's, it's just a real problem. So I kind of thought I'd just write down a couple key things, that strategies that we can use to deal with worry. Okay, so how to deal with worry. How to, I've got, how to beat worry is what I've written down here. I think the first thing is, is we have to have a clear understanding of the situation. And I really think this is one of the biggest problems people have, is that they don't spend enough time understanding the situation for what it is. And I know, I know I often talk about budgeting because I, I love budgeting. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really good example of this. I know when the coronavirus hit that my wife and I were going to, there's going to be a big financial cost to us. I knew it because our business stopped. Some of our investments were hit pretty hard. Um, you know, just I knew this was going to be a really worrisome time. And that worry could have consumed the crap out of me. And my wife. Um, and so what we did is, we, the first thing we did is we sat down and we did, what's the real situation look like? So here's what the, we, the situation we're facing right now. And what's our, what's our current financial position? 
you know, basic way of putting it. So we really sat down and gave ourselves the time to get a clear understanding of what the real situation was. Because if we didn't do that, we would have done that five steps down the path moment where you're looking down the path and you're going, oh man, in two years from now, we're, we're bankrupt and we can't, you know, I'll be working bloody at McDonald's, trying, not that there's nothing wrong with McDonald's, but, you know, just I'll be doing a, a job that's a minimum wage because that's all I can do. You know, because that's what worry will do. You do those 10 steps down the path. So the first thing you've got to do is stop yourself and create an understanding of where you really sit in the situation. Now that understanding situation is A, seeing the situation for what it is. Now in this time it was challenging for us because the situation wasn't clear. So when the coronavirus hit New Zealand, we went into lockdown. Um, they said it was going to be two months. So it wasn't clear around that. But what you can do in this moment is you kind of do what, you know, you can kind of look at the different different scenarios around us. So that's what we did. We kind of said, okay, well, what we did is we kind of went, okay, well, what's worst case scenario? We thought two years, you know, without earning any income. Like, that's worst case. Now, that was really unrealistic. That was like, it's highly unlikely that two years without earning any income will happen. But that's the worst of the worst. Where would we sit within this? What would that mean for our life? And we sat down and we thought about that. And then we kind of went back a bit and we said, okay, well, and this is one of the things that I've actually got written down here. Use if what then thinking. Use if what then thinking. So if what then thinking. So if in two years from now we haven't worked and we couldn't work at all, where what will we do then? And so we sat down and we did that. And then we kind of went back, okay, well, what, what if it's a year? And what if these parts of our world we can still earn income and these parts we can't? And so on and so on. What if I can still do my Les Wills work um, but I can't do the running business for six months. And we really sat down, and then we just kind of thought, okay, well, if this, in these situations, what does that mean? Um, and we kind of got a clear sense of the situation and how we would act in those situations. And I think it's a really important thing to do. And going back to my client who was worried about going to hospital, well, what we did with her, because she was fearful, so she didn't even talk to the doctor about it. So we, we got in the process of going to the doctor, getting an understanding of all the steps, and even the worst case scenario is what, what will happen here and so on and so on. So I think it's the most, you've got to get that done. So in any area of your life where you've got worry now, and let's be honest, a lot of us have got worry in our life right now, is get a clear understanding of the situation and different scenarios around that situation. Then what you want to do is you want to focus on the next step in the process and the actions you can take at this point right now that point you in the right direction. Okay, This is really important. Focus on the next steps in the process and the actions you can take right now that point you in the right direction. So for Joe and I, I'm not going to use the corona budget one because it's quite topical but also quite realistic. Um, so we kind of sat down, we said, okay, here's all our scenarios. You know, here's where we see the worst and blah, blah, blah. What do we need to do right now? And we sat down and we did, we like, we pulled back because we're quite, we're quite good budgeters. And so we're like, for example, here's an example. We save $50 each week for our next car. So we always try to pay cash for our car. So we always save, once we buy a car, we just keep putting $50 a week for our next car. And then by the time the, the car that we have gets a bit tired, we should have enough money to buy the next car with a bit of a trade-in. So that's something we've always done and it's just good financial kind of behavior. In the lockdown, we didn't save anything. We, we, that was our first action. Okay, anything that's not necessary in this moment, we're not going to put any money into. So we went, we went really kind of, you know, rice and beans kind of budgeting. We went right back to square one and said, okay, what can we, what are the actions that we can take right now 
to make that point us in the right direction. So we ultimately felt to ourselves that we need to be very, very tight with the financial side of things to make sure that we are not wasting unnecessary money. And we did that in many areas. We've got lots of columns in our budget and we went through all these columns and we said, you know what, until we can see a consistent level of, of income, these ones here are not going to be in any, in any contribution at all. Okay, so that was a really important thing to do because once we did that, then we kind of realized, okay, well, while we normally live off this much, we can actually live off this much for this period of time. And that means, if we look at the worst case scenario, that we can survive. It's going to be a pretty tough life. It ain't going to be a fun life because we don't have much money to do stuff with, but we can make that work. So you can see by doing that process, we allowed ourselves to remove a bit of pressure. And I remember there's been a few times in this lockdown period where Joe and I just gone, okay, yep, that means we, can, we know we can be all right. Now that was such a relief, just those two steps of creating a clear understanding and focusing on what the next step in the process is and then to take actions on that. That, that just, after that moment, because I have to admit, I was a bit worried about, well, geez, you know, what does this mean financially? After that moment, that consuming of my mind just disappeared. So with you with you doing that, um, it just you know, it's just a really important tool. Now then create an if then what plan. And what I mean by that, if then what? Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. If then what? So if this happens, then what will we do? So at this beginning stage, and it's kind of looking to 10 steps ahead, but it's not looking to 10 steps ahead in a kind of a the sky is falling way. It's looking 10 steps ahead to say, if this happens, what will be our strategy? Because what this allows us to do is it allows us to see that we've got a plan in place. So let's say, and, and actually there's a good example. So with our running business, we unfortunately, it was I think I may have even talked about this on the last episode, but unfortunately for us, we started up and then it turned out the government's changed the rules on fitness a little bit, which meant outdoor exercise couldn't happen. So we'd start up, it looked great, and then the government said, no, you, outdoor exercise can't be on. And then there was a moment where it looked like it might be, you know, it could be months, you know, like six months before we could get our business going. Now, I had a couple of stressful moments, and I have to admit I was in that worrisome place at that moment, but when we just looked at if then what plan? Okay, so if this happens, and that's what we did, Okay, well, if that does happen, what will we do to make sure we survive through this? And we had a plan in place. Now, it didn't mean that I didn't, you know, I wasn't worried about it, but it meant it didn't own me. And that's the important thing. So when you think about those steps up the road, you know, the first thing is to deal with the step you can deal with right now, stop your budget, pull back on the car, pull back and so on. The second thing you do is you kind of look at, well, if these things happen, what are the actions I will take to make sure I protect myself? Okay, it's really important to do this. Secondly, um, I've just a couple of little things to kind of touch on here. You, in these moments, you need to use amazing emotional tools. Because when we get into a worry place, we get emotion, especially if you're doing it 10 steps up the road, emotion just overtakes us. And emotion in a way that often makes us really irrational and really fatigued. And so in those moments, you've got to make sure you're doing those things, those healthy ways to deal with the stresses of your life in those moments. For me, it's going to be exercise, it's going to be playing piano, um, doing some writing, talking to my wife, you know, whatever those things are for you, that's what you nearly really need to be addressing and making sure you're putting in place in the time of worry. It goes back to that thing of in my time of worry, I have to defend my healthy outlets as much as possible. 
And then lastly, that's a little bit different to what we, we're doing here, but I, 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 it's a, it still applies when we look at worry. Because often when it comes to worry, we look at moments, not trends. And, and I'll use an example from my business. My business, people were very lucky. We worked really hard in our business. Um, and people tend to love what we do. We, we, our clients are really happy with what we do. And we know this because they tell us. We're very lucky. Um, we're very, we're just so lucky. We're so lucky. Now we work hard on it, so it's a bit of a two-way string, but it's really cool. We're really proud of the work we do. And we're really proud of the culture we've created and the community we've created. And we're really, we love that people love what we do, which is really cool. We do these surveys. Every, every kind of every three or four months we do surveys. And our surveys are a dream. You know, 99.9% of the answers are killing it. You, you, you know, just we're killing it. And there'll be, occasionally there might be one negative thing or here's a couple of things to work on. And when we first started doing them, my wife Jo would kind of just focus on the wrong thing. Well, not focus on the wrong thing, focus on the feedback that wasn't positive. And you can understand why. Because, you know, like that's the one that hurts the most, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when, when you think you're doing a good job, you're trying really hard and someone says, yeah, but this... You know, you feel you let them down, and you, you know, and so what would happen was Joe would get kind of just it would be an emotional thing, and she'd get a little bit upset, and um, it was just a real it was a time of worry for her, and it was a time of stress for her. And one thing we've worked on is shifting that thinking away from I've called it moments, not seeing moments, seeing trends. Now it's not that there's not value in the moment. So the moment, what I mean by the moment is when we look at that survey. And that survey says, you know, here's an area you're not doing a good job or here's an area where you can pick up your game. Now, when, that's a moment. That's a moment that says something's wrong. But the problem is the trend says we're getting a lot right. And I think for a lot of people in, in areas of their life where they're trying to do well, all they see is the moment. All they see is that one thing they're doing wrong and they disregard the trend. And the trend in our example is 99.9% of these surveys say we're doing a great job. The evidence of our work shows that we're doing a great job. Now, can we improve? By all means, we can improve. Should we listen to that feedback? Definitely. But we want to use that feedback as a learning tool, not an emotional way to beat ourselves up and think we're doing a bad job. Because the trend, the evidence, the evidence from the survey and the evidence from the results of our runners shows that we're doing a, we're doing a good job. So the trend... And the trend is the majority. This is really important. The trend is the majority. So the majority of the time, the evidence is showing us we're doing a great job. Sometimes we get proof and, and evidence that shows that we're not. Now, instead of going to an emotional place where we beat ourselves up and we go, you know, we feel bad about ourselves, we've got to go, okay, how do I deal with this and how do I improve on this? So it's an educational experience, a learning experience, not an I am bad experience. And I just found this has been a really important tool. I've used it for a couple of clients recently. And I've just found for those people who put all the emphasis on what I've done wrong, when evidence is showing they've done well, that whole idea of look for trends, not moments. So if you know you are that person, just think about this. So, the, the, you know, I'm sure there's other tools that we can deal with worry around, but I just thought I'd share with those things. So just to recap around worry, remember worry ends up consuming us, it ends up owning us, it takes our focus away from important things, it consumes our energy and our mind space, which leads to us not being a very nice version of ourselves for ourselves and our world. We also tend to be fatigued, so we make poor decisions around those times as well and other areas of our lives. Some ways to counter worries, and I'm sure there's more than the sum I've come up with here. First of all, 
get a clear understanding of the situation. Seriously, I think it's the most important part. Sit down, really see the situation for what it is. Once you have a clear understanding of the situation, focus on the next step in the process that you can take action on that will point you in the right direction. And then obviously, take the action. Don't think 10 steps ahead. Then when you do look those 10 steps ahead, create an if-then-what plan. So if it does go worse down that path, then what will be the thing you do? So that even if you are thinking those 10 steps ahead, you're more doing it in a rational, intelligent way to create a plan to work towards, towards getting you in the right direction. At this time, it's a really important time to look after your emotions. So use emotional tools to rationally get out of that emotional place and work towards being back more rational. It's funny actually, someone asked me the other day, why, why, is, why is exercise such a good way to deal with stress? And I think what happens is when you use emotional tools, you just step out of yourself. Like going for a run, if you're stressed, you go for a run, you just step out of yourself and something about stepping out of, your, out of yourself allows you to kind of, you, 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 I, don't know, I don't know how it works, but processing works. So that's something to think about as well. And then lastly, look for the trends, not the moments. So uh, if you are someone who's worried right now, and, and let's be honest, let's be honest, and this is really important, and actually I'm going to add two more things, look after your people, because often in time of worry, it's not just you who's worried, so like if you're in a business, if you're in a family, if you're in a club, check in, check in on your people, which is really important, uh, you know, look after your relationships and things like that as well, um, I can't remember my last point. And just look after yourself. Maybe that's what I was going to say there. So today's main gist of today's show was, are you trying to improve on something you don't need to improve on? If so, let it go. And if you are worrying, work through those steps. Worry will still pop its head up, but if we can diminish it and bring it to less time in your head, then you can put your mind and energy towards things that will move you away from worry. Alrighty, I think that's today's main gist of the show done. Uh, yeah, it, it was random. I have to admit it was random because it kind of was. That's how the show worked today because it was. I did have an interview lined up, but I will have a couple great interviews lined up over the next couple of weeks. Just lastly, one little quick thing I want to talk about on is the um, importance of a singular focus. I've had a, 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 a cool thing happen with my piano recently. Um, I, 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 I'm very much in my piano time and the time I've spent playing the piano, I've kind of divided my attention. I've tried to become better at my... Um, classical work, my, my my skills, my sight reading, a little bit of creative, and I've been in a band on occasions, and it, it, it's not a bad strategy, but I just decided about about three weeks ago I was going to be singular focused, so all I'm thinking about with my music right now is my band, um, and it's just a real power to being singular focused, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting actually, because like basically in the last three weeks, all like, like I, I basically will play an hour piano like most days for an hour, um, in the last three weeks, every time I've sat down, I was like, you're either writing a song, or you're trying to improve on a song, or you're trying to repractice, or you're doing some band work. Um, my mate Dave, who's in the band with me, we've just found a drum. We had a drum session last week. Drummer seems like he's a great fit for the band. You know, like, it's amazing just when you have a singular focus, how things move so much faster. Now, I know we can't all have singular focuses in all areas of our lives, but if you're a bit like me where you've got this year like I was dividing my attention I was trying to be too many things and not doing many of them that well you know we've all heard that haven't we but in this area 
just that whole idea of, you know, all you're doing. So, like, even last week I wrote some song words. I, you know, I haven't written song words in a long time. You know, all these things, and I'm just like, no, you know, we're going to be, we'll be, we'll be jamming. We'll be, sorry, we'll be playing live kind of in the next three months. Like, that's all I'm thinking is when I, whenever I'm going to put energy into this area of music, I'm singular focus, and I'm just finding it to be a really, really powerful tool. So, bit of a side note, but maybe you, you, as you're listening to this, you're going to hear of your life where you're just going to be, you could be a bit more singular focused to get more out of that area. So, because ultimately, why why do I do this? Well, for me, ultimately, the reason I started playing music is because I want to perform and create. And I've been playing music for a long time, and I'm still not performing and creating. So, now's the time. Now's the time where I am creating a lot more, moving towards performance. So, just I want to share that with you guys. Anyway, this is the show pretty much done and dusted for today. Again, if you want to become a patron of the show, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com. You just go to the podcast section and you'll see this little support me button. Go through the process and just so when you go through the process, you donate as little or as much as you want each show. And uh, yeah, I'll give you a cool nickname and just support what I do here. So thank you to all the patrons of the show. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you want to share the podcast to your friends on Facebook, Twitter and all that, it definitely helps. And if you want to put a review up, Actually, I'm going to read a review. Give me a second on a pause. And I am back, and I've got a, a cool review here from a TuxCat1 via Apple Podcasts in Australia. Oh, no, sorry, in the US. And it's got writing here from the US where I've done Les Mills classes for years, but I never knew the faces behind the workouts. Our gyms are still closed, and our health club providers, its members with Les Mills accounts. I love having Lisa and Bever in my living room, and will continue my account membership on my own. It's pretty cool. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. And then I've also got another one here. I'm going to read this one as well. Um, this is from uh, Pajamas. Pajamas in Apple in Australia. A truly honest, no thrilled approach to understanding your own behavior and learning ways to be the best you can be in every chance you have. Download and spread the word. So those two are just two of my newest reviews. If you want to give a review, it really does help. Thank you to all the reviews for those who give reviews on either Apple, um, you know, whatever podcast catch you use. Just thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. So there you go. Thank you for those people there. I'll get out there, guys. Have a wonderful week. And as always, keep being you. I'll be back in a couple episodes with some cool interviews.